What does it mean to have a Christ-centered marriage? What obstacles do marriages face today? How important is intimacy in a marriage? What role does prayer play? Chris sits down with Atlas Hilaire from Ignite Marriage Ministry, and they discuss these questions and more on this episode of Your Church Friends. All right, welcome to Your Church Friends podcast. I am Chris, and today I'm sitting here with a very special guest that we have, a new church friend or new church friend to the audience who's listening to our podcast, but not for me, a guy who I've known for almost two years now and has been really encouraging to me in my life and in my marriage. It's Mr. Atlas Hilaire, and he is the Ignite marriage leader at our church, and he helps uh, all the couples here go through their marriages. So as we were going through uh, divorce and uh, adultery and marriage, stuff like that, I thought it would be cool if we had you on the podcast. So uh, just fill in the audience about who you are. Thanks for having me, Chris. Uh, again, my name is Atlas Hilaire. I'm from Compton, California. Married my high school sweetheart, Shannon Hilaire. We've now been married for 23 years, 23 and a half. We have five beautiful daughters, uh, ages 23 all the way down to age five. Actually, yeah, age five. And so uh, we've been dating since uh, our, my junior year in high school. So you can kind of say we, we grew up together. And this marriage ministry was just birthed out of a lot of the, the trials and tribulations that we went through, especially once we got married. And so we figured the things that we went through would almost be worth everything that we went through if we can help somebody else to avoid some of the pitfalls that, that we've gone through. Uh, but the, it, it gives the pain a purpose, and, and that's something that I'm grateful for, the, the struggles that we did go through. So that's what Ignite Ministry was birthed out of. And it helps us to help other couples. And sometimes you go through things and you think, why am I going through this? Why me? And this, again, gives us purpose, gives the pain purpose. And to be able to see other people have their marriages or their relationships be more prosperous than ours was, it's a good, a good feeling, a great feeling. 23 years. Wow. That's a long time. We're getting ready to go on a 13 years. I think of it as like, you know, 13 is the unlucky number. But for some odd reason, it was seven that was like the hardest number out of all of them so far. Uh, but we're heading towards there. So I, I got a question for you, if you don't mind. Um, what does it mean to have a Christ-centered marriage? For me, I think having a Christ-centered marriage means giving it all to God. And it, it can't be our way. It has to be God's way. Because oftentimes we want to have the idea or the the best idea. And one of my friends told me something once and it was so profound to me, even though it wasn't the most profound thing that he could say. He told me, you know what, Atlas, sometimes my wife has a better idea than me, and I'm all right with that. And that just hit me like a ton of bricks because I've always taken the the perspective that I'm the man of the house, I'm the head of the house, so what I say should go. And whenever Shannon wasn't going along with what I said, I would get upset, I would get angry, and I'm thinking, why aren't you getting along with this program? Because God made me the head of the household. Mm. And so that thinking, I learned after the fact that I was basically making myself an idol. And it wasn't, it doesn't need to be my idea all the time. God blessed me with her for a reason. So having a Christ-centered marriage, I think, means that we have to be able to humble ourselves enough to be able to listen to God's voice. And, and as, a, as a man... To be able to listen to God tell us, hey, your wife has an excellent idea, go with it, because I gave her that idea. Uh, having a, a Christ-centered marriage, I think also we have to be able to uh, sacrifice our own selfish ambitions in, in order for, uh, in order to, to make room for us to, to be a servant leader. Um, I'm probably getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I think Ephesians 5 is like the best description of what a marriage should be based upon. And and one of those verses in chapter 5, Ephesians 5.21, Paul says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And I think before we could get a Christ-centered marriage, that's where we have to start, when we submit to one another, because then it's not a matter of I'm right and you're wrong, but it's a matter of I want to do what's best for this marriage, and I want to do it the way that that God wants us to do it. So that that's my my take on uh, being a Christ-centered marriage. We have to be able to say that 
I'm not always right. And, and sometimes it's very difficult, very difficult to do. Uh, we can be very prideful and not even realize that we're being prideful mm-hmm. uh, until we can take a step back and say, okay, I'm not always right. Christ can't be the sinner. That's that's a really good point. I'd like the um and it just I've never thought of this, so it was really cool that you brought that up that if I have to be right, I create myself as to be an idol. So I'm the idol in the relationship and again, you're teaching me something <laughs> as we sit here that I I would have never put those two together that uh yeah, I elevate myself above her and when I elevate myself above her, that makes me head or idol in, in that relationship. So that's really cool and uh, yeah, I think stepping back and not being right is all the time is a good thing. Yeah, I, I really do. We were driving back down from Yosemite, and I like driving, and Justine likes driving, but Justine's a sightseer when she drives. Mm-hmm. So she'll like look around and, and see what's going on and everything. And as we're going up mountains with small roads, that just freaks me out. But when we came back, I just had to trust it. You know, like she's a good driver. She's a great driver. Never got a ticket. She's, I don't think she's been in any real major accidents. So she's a great driver. I just get, I want control. Yes, I still yes. want the steering wheel. And I had a, I have to learn to like let her at times take that steering wheel metaphorically and at that time literally. So I love that. That was a really cool point. Um, what obstacles do marriages face today? I, I think a big problem with, with today, and I, I think it started like as we were kids, is we've become part of that microwave culture where we want everything now, we want everything instantly. And then when trials and tribulations come around, we want to quit. And I remember watching my my folks. One of the reasons why my wife and I are still together today is because of the example that my mom and my dad gave, is that no matter how bad things got, I never heard my folks talk about divorce. Uh, My folks never put that out there as an option, especially not in front of the kids. And so when Shannon and I went through our first really tough bout, I mean, I was ready to to walk out. In fact, we we separated for uh, the first year we got married. After three months, we we separated because I felt like I can't handle this. This is not what I signed up for, and it just made me think like, how in the world did my mom and my dad tough it out for so long? They had to have some of these these same problems and some of these same issues. So I, I think the, the challenges that marriages face today is that they only see or people only see the good side of it. And people are not sitting down and counseling and, and talking to these to these couples and letting them know, like, it's not always going to be a bed of roses. It's not going to always be hunky-dory. It's not going to always be smiles and, and, and candy drops and, and so on and so forth. So when we do counseling or we do anything that involves uh, Ignite Marriage Ministry, we try to get down to those to those things and talk about, I don't want to say the negative side of marriage, but the trials that you're going to face. Everybody goes through it. And I remember when we first got married, my problem was I base relationships off of what I saw on TV. Mm. So you see a TV a sitcom and they get into there, they, they, they have their trouble or they have their argument. And then after 30 minutes, everything is good, and and they're smiling Mm -hmm. and kissing at the end of the episode. And that's what I thought it was like. And nobody taught me, hey, after your first fight, you can't just run back home to mom and dad, or there's no place for you to go. You have to stay home, and and you have to work it out and fix it. So I I think that's the biggest issue that couples face now is that that microwave or that that instant attitude that if it's not right right away, then I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to tough it out. And then you have a lot of the the culture is about me, me, me. I want to be satisfied right now. Uh, even the commercials, the, what is it, J.G. Wentworth, it's my money and I want it right now. Yes. That's the culture. And it's like your happiness, you don't worry about anybody else. You need to be happy regardless. And, and if that person is not making you happy, then you don't need to be with him. And And nowadays... Society is even teaching like you don't even need to be married. If you want to shack up with somebody, then that's fine. Do it. Do what you want to do. Like like the what is the term now? Do you? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big part of the culture now. And when you contrast that or compare that to what the Bible says, we're not standing fast and, and hard on on what God says because sometimes it doesn't feel good. And, and nobody likes to suffer. Nobody likes to go through hard times. Nobody likes the the tribulations unless you're a a sadistic person. (laughs) And so 
when these younger couples are going through these things, they're looking for that escape because it's not pleasant. Right. Yeah, that it was almost kind of parallel to what me and Murdoch discussed on the the previous episodes before this, the idea of like unmet expectations mm-hmm. or I'm giving myself an out before I get into it. And I like that you brought it up that the obstacles I think we do face today in marriage is that people divorce is so simple and it's so mm-hmm. quick and it even like you said, I don't have to even be married to this person. I can just live with them. And I know all of that just makes it easier to leave once my needs aren't met. And I think that's where like expectations and I'm kind of jumping into the next question, but um, (laughs) that's what it is. Like our expectations, we go in there and I expect someone to be this. I expect, you know, uh, for females, the Prince Charming or for the, or the knight in shining armor and for the guy, like the damsel in distress type thing. And we expect these things. I do this, I do that. But really what that does is it, throws everything into a turmoil because your relationship isn't based off of you two growing together and connecting. It's based off of your philosophy or idea Mm -hmm. of another person. Um, So you you kind of pedestal them. So I really did like that. Uh, I had a few things, if you don't mind me jumping in with that too. I think obstacles children are definitely, you have five (laughs) of them, right? You got five girls. Yes. And Man, that's got to be an obstacle in itself. Uh, but for me, I know they are. We we have children who uh, they're all they're under ten, so they always want our attention. They're always next to us. We're again, we just came back from vacation, and and we're at the lake, and we're doing this hike and like uh, climbing up to see this waterfall. It's more like a not a waterfall, just like water running down rocks at this point. Uh-huh. Um, and there's these a couple look like a young couple sitting on top of the rocks, and Remy said, "Oh, I want to go up there where they're at." And I said, "Remy." you already ruined enough intimacy time between me and your mother. I don't need you doing that to somebody else. And she kind of looked at me like this and Justine's just laughing. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're, they're tough. Um, money, I think, is a, a thing that definitely gets in people's way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those are just a few things that I think uh, as your marriage grows and it goes beyond like that first year, mm-hmm. money, children, all those things are obstacles. And, and a lot of people don't look at it that way. They look at it as the next step, but... It is the next step, but it's a step you have to get over and learn how to function in. Yes. I think something else, too, that people don't understand is that we go into relationships expecting this person to make me whole or to make me complete. And then when that person you mentioned putting people up on a pedestal, it's very easy uh, to put someone up on a pedestal. And then when they don't meet our expectations, now all of a sudden this person who we thought was the best person in the world ends up being almost our our arch nemesis. Mm. And so what we try to teach our daughters is don't look for somebody to complete you because that's God's place. Yeah. God makes you whole. You need to be with someone else who is your is your mate, someone else who compliments you, not completes you. Don't look for happiness in someone else cuz you're going to always 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 end up being disappointed because everybody is not always up for the task of of entertaining and being that idea that you've made them out to be. Mm. And so once we can understand that, it becomes a little less disappointing when that, when a person does something that wasn't what we thought that person should be doing. Or we can give that person some grace because we are understanding that this person wasn't meant to be my ultimate satisfaction. This person was meant to come alongside me and walk through life, not to fulfill me, which again, steps into that arena of putting up an idol in God's place. And and when we do that, it, it's so heartbreaking. And it's it can be very difficult to overcome once we get into that mind space of this person is supposed to be my completion and my all and my everything. Um, uh, again, the Bible says God is a jealous God, mm. and, and he wants that spot. He wants to be number one. Yeah, it's that darn Jerry Maguire's fault, right? <laughs> you complete me. You know, that's it's his fault. He's the one who put that thought in all of those little girls' heads and the guys' heads during that time. And uh, now we look for someone to complete us when you're absolutely right. God is what completes us. We are complete before we get into that relationship once we have Christ in our life. So we're not looking for someone to fix us, complete us, or do that stuff. We're looking for someone to, to journey life with together. I'm going to have to watch that movie. I've never... you never seen it? I've never oh, seen it's it. A, yeah, I'll send you the YouTube <laughs> clip. It's super cheesy. Uh, he walks into the door. Uh, never mind. It's for another time. I'll send it to you. <laughs> uh, so we have... Uh, I think we covered it, unless you want anything else to, to say about like what can unmet expectations do in a marriage? 
I, I think uh, we've covered it. But again, I think it's good to give people that idea or at least plant the idea to start thinking about it. Because I'll tell you, when I went into marriage, I thought, hey, when I said I do, what else do you want? And I really, that was really my my mindset. And it wasn't until a lot of bumps and bruises that I realized that that was the most arrogant thing I could have ever done. And the problem is that I really believed it. Like I said, I do. What, what else do you need? Like you got the prize. And I know that her expectations were were shattered. Um, I, I know that I caused a lot of heartache, a lot of damage, a lot of emotional trauma because I wasn't humble enough to take a step back to realize that Number one, she did have me up on the pedestal, but for me to constantly over and over and over again shatter those expectations, I didn't realize the damage that I was doing. And on the flip side of that, again, if we can approach younger couples and give them that idea and let them start thinking about it, that some of these ideas and and dreams that we have about marriage and relationships is not realistic, Mm-hmm. And to try to hold somebody up to those expectations is detrimental. And we're already putting ourselves behind the eight ball going into the marriage because you're 100% guaranteed to get disappointed when you have that mindset going into a relationship and a marriage. And when when that person doesn't meet your expectations, now you're looking at it like, this is all your fault. But again, that wasn't fair to put all of that burden on somebody in the first place. Right. That, that totally 100% right. I'm not going to say anything else because I don't think I could say anything better with that one. Um, so you've been married 23 years, and I'm sure over the course of that, there have been issues where maybe trust has been broken or trust has been hurt. How do you, how do marriages get over that when a trust is broken? Because I think with today, that is one of the reasons people hop into divorce is I just can't trust you anymore, so I don't therefore love you anymore. But, I mean, with the Bible, there's reconciliation. So how how does that happen in a marriage? When trust is broken, it is so difficult to gain it back. In the case of my wife and I, I broke our trust early in a marriage, and it took literally eight, nine years. I mean, we tried to stick it out, and, and, and we stayed in the marriage, and we gave it the good old fight. But at the same time, over and over and over again, those those wounds were being ripped back open. And so how to get over that, it, it also starts with vulnerability. Hmm. And I'm not blaming my folks, but a lot of times you can only do what you know. You, you can't do what you don't know. So watching my parents, my dad was a very quiet person. He didn't show emotions, didn't show a lot of affection towards the kids. So with Shannon and I, that was me. I was quiet. I didn't like to share a lot of my emotions and feelings. And since I broke the trust, she's looking like we need to reconcile and we need to talk about this. And my whole thing was, I said, I was sorry. What else do you want? Again, Mm -hmm. the whole pride and arrogance thing. And so it wasn't until God got it through my thick head that I need to be vulnerable. I'm the one who made the mistake. So I should be soft and vulnerable enough to open up so that she can see that, hey, I'm here for the long run. I'm here not just because I feel like I have to be here, but I love you. I want you to trust me again. And none of that could really take place without being vulnerable. So I'm I'm very grateful that I've been able to run into a circle of guys who have allowed me to be able to open up and become vulnerable. One guy in particular, his name is Will Kwan. And it was kind of weird at first because when we met, he was like, hey, we need to be accountable to each other. Uh, we need to open up about things that we struggle with because you can't go through this alone. And at first I was thinking, is this guy for real? <laughs> <laughs> and then it was so liberating and so freeing once I was able to confess to this guy, hey, I've been having some impure thoughts or I, I did this. And, and I said these things that hurt Shannon, and I, I need to get this off my chest because I know that I wasn't right. It, it, once I was able to be able to do that, then there was something that I could show Shannon or Shannon could see in me that, hey, he's really trying to change for the better. He really has my best interests at heart. And, and it takes a lot of, hey, I don't, I'm not looking out for myself, but I want to do what's best for you was best for the family and, and and without that vulnerability without being without being able to 
to open up and be soft enough to make a connection, it is very, very difficult. I mean, the we've been taught the man way is you be stern, you be tough, you don't show a lot of weakness because weakness means that you can't handle the situation. And what that does for a woman is a complete turnoff. It it sends up warning signals that this person is not going to help. This person is not, not going to help me emotionally get through this marriage or be a, a, a partner with me. And it's very cold. So again, once we can break up that, that fallow ground and, and be able to show some affection and open up, show some vulnerability and show some remorse, uh, I think at that point, you can begin to start a healing process. I like that last point the most, uh, that showing the remorse, because I mean, we kind of teach the kids, I'm sorry, is just words. Uh-huh. You know, if there's no action change, then you're really just saying it to get out of trouble or to move forward. But your actions are still going to repeat the uh-huh. same thing. And I, I, I like that idea that showing the remorse, the real kind of I've done something, I've hurt you, I've hurt your feelings is so beneficial and I think helpful in a marriage because if there's no remorse shown, then I think that's where resentment on the other end builds up. Um, I know personally speaking, like I said, our seventh year of marriage was, I mean, it was like 2020. <laughs> like if I could describe our seventh year of marriage, it's the year 2020 and just chaos, crazy. Um, and yeah, I had my fault in it. She had her fault in it. But I, I think mainly there was a big fault on mine where uh, trust was definitely broken. And if I didn't show remorse for what I did or even try to like do anything to to redeem myself in a sense, she would still just be harboring the resentment and the bitterness and the anger that she has. And of course, like you said, after so long, it's still so hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was so seven years, almost six years, five years now of of it. And yeah, there's still wounds on both of us from that year of our marriage where we struggled, that we both have these wounds. And one sentence, one phrase can trigger all the feelings, all the emotions, everything back instantly. So it's... It's crazy, and trust is a big deal, I think, because, again, this is someone you're doing something with the rest of your life. Like, this is, if you're looking at it from the biblical perspective of commitment, this is my uh, commitment to you, and we're going to do this until one of us goes. It's so hard to try to do that with someone you don't trust. To, to have a marriage where the two people mutually trust each other to go a certain way and or do a certain thing, you know, um, even... When it comes to being around someone the opposite sex, you know, that's a, we talked about obstacles earlier and that's a huge obstacle Yes, is the opposite sex because they can, you know, sneak in, you can feel odd feelings because you're not getting the attention at home or, or mm-hmm. what have you. And, um, you know, the enemy uses that and he uses that. Most definitely. And, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of those things where in counseling, people considering marriage or long-term relationships those are the conversations that need to be spoken of instead of it being this taboo topic and nobody talks about it until after the fact. Well, after the fact, it's going to take way more effort to try to fix it. But if we approach it on the front end and say, hey, you're going to face temptations, you're going to face wanting to give up, you're going to face not liking this person, like this person that you thought was the best thing since sliced bread, you're going to wake up some mornings thinking like, I can't stand this person. We need to understand that that's part of being human. It doesn't make us weird. It doesn't make us odd or or this abomination because we have these thoughts and emotions. And I think if we could talk about those things before the marriage, Mm. then it helps us to prepare to say, hey, people said that this would happen. Now I'm not caught blindsided. Whereas when we keep everything a secret and then wait until after the fact, it's always easier to destroy something than it is to build it up. And if we come into the marriage prepared with, hey, these are some things, some obstacles you're going to face, then I think it helps us to be able to try to build up more so than make those decisions that are going to tear down. And one of the greatest things that God has done for me in my marriage is is when I was able to get Shannon's trust back, because that is very devastating. Uh, You mentioned earlier that it's a sting when you're not being trusted. And again, talking about like the whole pride thing, I'm like, I'm putting in all of this effort. Why don't you trust me? Forgetting that it was my mistakes that caused this in the first place. But uh, I I was putting in all of this effort. Uh, In fact, I wrote a a poem and I I don't have it memorized right now. But one of the 
one of the lines in the poem was saying um, basically that I spent years and years trying to rebuild and this thing kept seeming like it was getting torn down over and over and over again. Well, it's because the reason why is because I wasn't being vulnerable and I hadn't talked or opened up about the reasons why I made those bad choices and, and, and so on and so forth. And so again, putting those things on the front end, having those conversations before we make this long-term commitment helps better equip us to, to make better choices and to, uh, again, you're always going to have something, some kind of hurts, but those big major hurts can be avoided if we have these conversations ahead of time. A curveball question, because this wasn't on the ones I sent you. But before we get to that curveball question, I want to remind you and everyone listening to go check out our website, yourchurchfriends.rocks. That's right, dot rocks, because we rocks. There you'll find a link to our online shop with our latest t-shirt designs, coffee mugs, fanny packs, and tote bags. So if you're feeling generous and enjoy the content, please help support your church friends by buying some merch. If you got five minutes, check out our latest YouTube video from the Five Minutes with Your Church Friends series, and then subscribe to the channel, like the video, and share it. Also, join us on social media, where on our Facebook group page, we have updates as to what's going on, and our Instagram account, we share some behind-the-scenes stuff. You can find links to all this and soon more on our website, yourchurchfriends.rocks. Why rocks? Because we rocks. Now let's get back to that question. A curveball question, because this wasn't on the ones I sent you. Do you think it's the churches kind of dropped the ball in this area? Where, like you're talking about, no one's prepping people beforehand. It's just like, yeah, give us your money. Let You could get married at a facility, but no one's like, I know there's marriage counseling and a lot of pastors do that. I've done it. But there, this wasn't in it. This wasn't in my counseling sessions or the ones I've done. So do you think in one sense that the church itself has dropped the ball? I would say yes. And the reason why I say that is because, and this is just my opinion, I think today's church or a lot of a lot of the body in Christ is reluctant to have confrontation. We're very reluctant to have those hard conversations, those hard discussions. We're very reluctant to call somebody out on their sin because we don't want to offend anybody and, and uh, we want to have friendships and, and we want everybody to think of us as not being judgmental and being nice people. But I think we have a misunderstanding in the Bible when it says, when, when Christ says, don't judge lest you be judged. What he's talking about being judged, he's talking about condemning somebody. But if, I, if, if, if I'm out doing something wrong, Chris, I'm giving you permission or I want you, if you see me out uh, flirting with somebody, I need you to call me out on that. I, I, I don't want you to just be like, uh, that's my friend, and I, I really don't want to say anything mm-hmm. to to offend him. I, I want to be offended because I, I want to be held accountable. And so getting to your question, do I think the church has dropped the ball? I think so, because like you said, even in counseling, I don't think that those topics are being discussed. It's more so this is what you can do to have a healthy marriage and, and honor your husband and and this, that, and the other. Make sure you're intimate. And I don't think that conversations are being had or conversations are taking place of, hey, as, as good of intentions that you have, there may be some times where you're tempted. There may be some times where you're having arguments and somebody else is giving you some positive attention at the workplace. I don't think those conversations are taking place enough. Now, now I'm sure that you have some people who are willing to tell it like it is, but on the whole, my experience in the church is that people are like, I'm going to mind my own business. Nobody asked me nothing, so I'm not going to say nothing. And, and I think we need to be courageous enough to stand up and say, you know what, I love you enough to tell you that what I saw you doing was not cool and, and you should correct that, regardless of what the the backlash or the response is going to be. I 100% agree. I think the same thing when it comes to like the church where you're at, really just that being vulnerable and accountability with each other. Because I think a lot of times our pride is either stopping us from saying something or our pride is stopping us from receiving what's being told to us. And we get very arrogant about it. Well, you're coming at me with that. Well, let me tell you this, this, and this, you know, Mm -hmm. about you. But I think it is a needed thing. Uh, We were talking about on the podcast episode with me and Murdoch, 
is when you're getting married to someone, the question you have to ask yourself, is this someone I can go through hell with? Mm-hmm. Uh, not someone I could live happily ever after with, <laughs> but someone I could go through the tough times, the hard times, the times where I don't trust them or the times of hurt. And especially when it comes around to you just had an argument and all of a sudden someone bats their eyes at you or compliments you, you know, as strong as we all think we are, mm-hmm. we're also flesh. And that temptation is so quick and it's so easy and, and it and it happens. And, and I think I agree with you. I think the church has dropped the ball 100% because it's not getting preached all the time. It's not getting taught all the time. It's not getting said all the time that like, hey, this can happen uh-huh. at a snap. And all of a sudden you're down a rabbit hole you never thought you'd ever be in in your life. But there's, the warning isn't as there because I, I do think there's a lot of more of a I want to tell people stuff to make them happy. Right, um, right, right. Uh, God is good and he's giving you grace. Yes, but don't make grace a license to sin or don't use it in a different way. So, yeah, I 100% agree with you. Uh, the next question I've got is uh, how important is, and I, I made sure I phrased this properly because we did have to throw a warning on our uh, <laughs> on our uh, lust episode. I had to put a... Uh, parental discretion is advised on that thing. Um, so I made sure for this. So that way, if you wanted your daughters to hear it also, uh, how important is intimacy? Me personally, intimacy is, is huge. And that's something that God has blessed us with. And that's another thing where I feel that no one talks about it. And it's such a taboo conversation. And it's not until we get into a crisis that we start talking about oh, these are ways that you can fix your intimacy or these are ways that you can enhance it as opposed to coming into the relationship with tools to be able to understand that, okay, if intimacy is very important to this person, then these are the conversations that you need to be able to have or these are some things that you need to understand about your spouse or your significant other going into the relationship. And I had a horrible combination of of not being able to open up and be vulnerable and this huge appetite for intimacy. Those two are a horrible combination. So here I would get frustrated, but then I wouldn't have the courage to tell my wife, hey, I want to be intimate or I need to be intimate. And then I'm wondering why she's not getting with the program. And so I, I think those are things that we need to emphasize in order to take down people's guards so that they feel comfortable enough to to have that conversation. I'm pretty sure that there are so many marriages where the couple has never even talked about, okay, what do you think is a right the right amount of intimacy? Or what is your expectation mm-hmm. of the intimacy in this relationship? Instead, again, we go in with this idea that it's taboo. I, I don't really want to say too much. And then when we gets bad, now we're having this all-out brawl about, well, you're not intimate enough with me. For me personally, I can't speak for everybody. And and I know that probably men in general, intimacy is is very important. A lot of people equate intimacy with being loved. Mm-hmm. And that was that was part of my thing. It was like if she's not showing me any intimacy, then I feel like she doesn't love me. And what was the reason? What was the purpose for us getting married? And and all of these horrible thoughts rushed to to the forefront of my mind when all I had to do was go and have a conversation with her or talk with her about it and um, go from there. So expecting somebody to be a certain way without having that conversation about expectations is a is a dangerous combination. Right. The, the other thing I think about it with the two, I mean, intimacy as in, you know, our godly act together to uh-huh. procreate. But I mean, intimacy in itself is just like spending time together, being yes. with each other, being around each other. Um, like for uh, Justine, that to her taking a walk together mm-hmm. is intimacy and that's us just talking because it's without the distractions it's without the noises so i think on some level it's important for everybody it just depends on what the the description of intimacy is with it but i i i 100% agree having the conversation ahead of time and i think that's the biggest problem i think marriages are facing why they stop or why they end is because the conversation never goes beyond i'm angry yes yes it's the 
I'm mad at you and I don't want to talk to you, but it's not the let's keep arguing to a solution. Mm-hmm. And I think you guys said that in one of the Ignite things and it just, it blew my mind on like, yes, that's the idea. You argue to a solution. You don't just argue to win. It's not about winning. It's arguing for a solution. I need to get off my chest what's bothering me, what's, mm-hmm. what you're doing that's hurting me. And you need to do the same thing. And without the right amount of vulnerability, without the right amount of humility, all of that just it crumbles under it because you can't hold it if you're prideful or you're not vulnerable. Um, so I, I definitely think it is important for everybody. And it's just what's your your caption next to intimacy. Yes. Yes. It's always the big thing. You know, for some people, it's just the holding hands. And that's that's the cool thing. And then it goes beyond that. But the conversations have to be had. And I think, uh-huh. uh, again, whether it's here at church or at, uh, that's why I loved Ignite. Uh, when we went to that one last year, I think it was in September sometime, or I can't remember, but the one day you guys had, it could have been our first year back. So I, it, everything's a blur to me now. But was it the Let Christ Use Your Canvas? I think, no, no, no. It was the one before that. Oh, okay. Well, okay. we were downstairs in the fireside room. Uh-huh. That one, um, just the whole openness and the vulnerability that you and Shannon had, and then just talking about that and that you have to have a conversation. And then it was, it, you guys gave the tools of here's the right way to have a conversation, you know, like don't always use these terms or this and that. But it really opened up my eyes to to understand, like, I have to say something and not not in my jerky, snarky, <laughs> sarcastic or uh, little throw a jab out there comments that I like to do. But it has to be, you know, like this is a real thing for me. Um, and, and so I think it is really important. The next question and I think this is uh, probably one of the more important ones that I have here is what role does prayer uh, play in our marriage? Wow. We were just talking about this this morning in our small group discussion, uh, talking about how sometimes you don't realize how powerful prayer is because you might not be seeing the results right away. And I have to be completely honest. Sometimes I feel, oftentimes I feel that my prayer life is not the best. However, my wife and I have learned to pray for each other. I, I will say the trials and tribulations has brought about um, a spirit of, Lord, help me to be the best spouse or the best partner I can be for my wife or for my husband. And so the one thing that, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting some counseling right now out of this, <laughs> the one thing I will say that I would love to develop better or further is our prayer together. Yeah. Sometimes I just need to stop what we're doing and grab her hand and say, hey, we're going to pray. Or, or do you mind if I pray? And and she's always receptive to that. And so I take full responsibility for that, that we need to pray more. But I think prayer is just a lifeline because that's our communication with God. That's our way to plead to God, to have a conversation with God, to let God know, like, this is what I'm going through. Not that he doesn't know what we're going through, but he wants us to come to him. And he's given us a beautiful tool to be able to open up. And and the thing I love about prayer is that my prayer doesn't always have to be this elegant, poetic thing that I'm saying to God. Sometimes I just need to be like, Lord, I've had it. And (laughs) I don't know how much more I could deal with this person. Sometimes it needs to be that. And that's why I love the Psalms, because David was just open and honest. He just put his feelings out there. And then... He would come back to, okay, Lord, I, I want your will to be done. Use me as you see fit. And and sometimes that's what we have to do. And I'm sorry I keep repeating the same thing over and over again, but when we counsel with couples, we talk to them about that. Like, hey, sometimes you're not feeling this person. Sometimes you just can't stand this person. And that's okay. You need mm-hmm. to be able to verbalize that to say, I don't like you right now, mm-hmm. instead of faking the funk. And we need to be able to do that with God. Like, Lord, I'm frustrated. And then God God can honor that. Now yeah. that we've been open and honest with God, now he brings the solution or he brings the, the remedy. And Shannon and I, we just had about a week or so ago, we had an intense moment of fellowship. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way I've ever heard <laughs> And it wasn't until we had a blow up that it was a moment where we were able to draw even closer. Mm. And it was because of that that we prayed a little bit harder because we were having this fight. And so I think prayer is absolutely critical because oftentimes that prayer is the thing that helps us to keep our mind on, I need to continue to do the right thing despite the fact that I am so angry with this person. 
Prayer is that thing where we go to God and he gives us the answer, even though we don't feel like doing the right thing, but the Holy Spirit comes in and says, hey, this is how we're going to handle this. So I think prayer is is absolutely critical to a successful marriage. I think we still struggle. I know we still struggle with uh, praying together. Mm-hmm. And even uh, last week's message by Pastor Ken was on the righteous prayer. And I, I watched the Life Group live and I uh-huh. put it in, in the comments. Yeah, I think I need to be more intentional about praying with my family, with my wife. And and I did it once <laughs> after that. And I was like, dang, I'm still failing at that. But I agree 100% that praying together if that's our connection to God and as a body, we're called to pray together, how much more important a husband and wife praying together is. Yes, yes. And not just during the times of like, oh, what are we going to do about our finances? Let's pray about it. But the every day, let's pray together thing. I, I don't remember who it was, but I remember it was during like a kingdom men. One of the, the guys in there said that him and his wife sometimes pray during sex. Uh-huh. And I just like, I was, how, why, what does that thought ever, uh, just the idea of it is so like, man, you're just a little more spiritual than I am. (laughs) But it was, it's that, um, the idea of how important it is, if it's our connection. I've heard it said that um, if prayer is like our blood Mm -hmm. in our body, then if we're not praying, what's our body? It's, It's dead. Or our spiritual life, it's dead. And the same thing has to go with our marriage. If we're not praying together, it's it definitely is a damaged marriage. And you don't want to slip into temptation. You don't want those unmet expectations getting to you. You don't want those obstacles getting to you. Well, pray. Because yes. if you're not praying, then those things are going to come in easily. Uh, so my last question I have for you, and, and if you want to add anything on to that afterwards, how do you then divorce-proof your marriage? I was I was looking at that question when you texted it to me, and... Unfortunately, I, I don't think that there is a a proof. And, and when I say that, I'm talking in our in our flesh and in our humanness, um, because humanness, that's not even a word. <laughs> <laughs> you could have kept going. I would have, I would have not known any different. But I like that, though, humanness. In, in, in our humanity, we are capable of doing some of the most horrendous things. I, I think of King David. God called him a man after his own heart. And he goes up on the rooftop and he sees... What was her name? Bathsheba. Uh, Bathsheba. And not only does he commit fornication and adultery, but he has this woman's husband killed who was a loyal soldier to him. So when you get in, when you talk about divorce proofing our marriage, I think our best shot, and there is a way. And, and so when I say there's not a way, I'm talking in the flesh, mm-hmm. but in the spirit, that prayer or, or letting Christ be the center uh, looking to God for for the answer instead of it having to be our way. That's our only that's our only shot. Because I was going to say earlier, when you take those vows for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, when you're thinking ahead and you're thinking, I can handle it. I I, I like this person. I'm infatuated. So yeah, I'll be ready, ready to ride ride or die with you. And then when everything hits the fan, then it's like well, I don't know because. I don't know if I can continue on in life with you. I don't like you right now. And so when we put God first, when we look to God for the answer, I think that's our only our only shot. In fact, I had to start looking at Shannon through the lens of this is God's child. God loves her more than I could ever imagine. And although I'll never be able to meet God's level of love for her, if I can think of her through the through the mind of Christ, through the eyes of Christ, then it will help me to make way better decisions. It will help me to be able to love her when I feel that she's not being lovable. And so I think that's the only way. I wanted to share a scripture from, from Ephesians 5, verse 25. And this is from a man's perspective. It says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. From man to woman, I think that that's our only way is to love her like Christ loved the church. And when I think about that, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He didn't do anything, but he took on all of my sins and died. And I got the better end of the stick for all that he went through. And so you're talking about divorce proofing the marriage. We have to have a mindset, a spiritual mindset that I'm going to love this person with all that I have. I'm going to put my my needs and my my perceived needs and and my selfish ego on the back burner and I'm going to love her 
like like God has called me to love her. I think about how like the man, when we always talk about being head of the household, we always think that that means I'm in charge. I get to call the shots. Yep. But when you're the, when you're in charge, Christ said that the, the leader has to be the servant. And we don't think about that part. We, we, we kind of ignore that part of the mm-hmm. Bible. And so when we take on a servant leadership frame of mind, I think that that puts us at a point where just like taking care of our kids, our kids will never, ever not be our kids anymore. And, and no matter how much our kids mess up, not saying that our wives are messing up, but no matter how much our kids mess up, we always want to come back and try to provide for them and try to provide uh, leadership guidance or take care of whatever they need to um, taken care of until they're old enough to be able to take care of themselves. So divorce proofing the marriage for a man, loving your wife like Christ loved the church because Christ has all the justification in the world to cast us out. But instead, he literally, he loved us to death. Mm-hmm. And and then for a woman, I think that's, um, and it's, it's a bad word in our society now, but that submitting to your husbands and the Lord, I think that that's the only way because otherwise, like you have these movements like women's lib and, and um, nowadays women have this attitude of, I don't need a man and I, I, a man can't tell me anything. What is, is that physics? Two things can't occupy the same space at mm-hmm. the same time. We can't both be the head of the household. And so your earlier question, Christ has to be the center. And when we see it through, through his eyes and, and when we see it through the spirit, we can forgive, we can have grace. Uh, we can let go of those temptations to try to get even or, or wanting to have the last word, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm glad you pulled that up, the Ephesians, because I was getting it on my phone real quick. Just from the guy's perspective of how do you keep your marriage divorce-proofed in, Paul writes in there the continuing verse, just like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. I circled holy. I have a Bible that I'm reading, going through right now. And this is, I'm going to give it to Reed uh-huh. when he's old enough. I have another one that I'm giving to Remy. Nice. Um, and I'm making marks and I'm writing in there all these thoughts. And I circled that and I put, make your wife holy, make her set apart. She has to be set apart in your eyes. Um, and that's actually spawned from a struggle between me and Justine was that she always felt like she was no different than anyone else. Like I treated her as just I would treat any other friend. And so she didn't feel special. Mm-hmm. And when I read that, I was like, that's the concept, set apart, holy, that in your eyes, this person is set apart above everybody else. And I, and I think that could go far beyond just the man. I think it could go for the wife, too, that like if your spouse isn't set apart, if they're not not pedestaled mm-hmm. where they're mm-hmm. idols, but you keep them set apart that no one else around them can touch them, but you understand they're not perfect. Precious. Uh, yes. Uh, that that can help keep the relationship going because even though you're mad at that set apart thing, just like God was mad at the children of Israel who was set apart, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that the relationship ends. I love the way you put that. I'll keep hitting the mic. Sorry about that. I, I love the way you put that because that's something that I've, I've struggled with. And I, I told Shannon too, I, I confess to her like, I need you to help me to be able to love you the way you need to be loved because sometimes I feel like I'm at a dead end where I don't know how to make you feel special, but I do long and I, I, I long for that. I want her to feel like she is the, 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 the queen in my life. I want her to feel separated or different, like I'm not just treating her like anybody else. I don't want her to just feel that, yeah, I'm respectful. I want her to feel that I've gone out of my way. And so that's something that I I pray about. Like, Lord, teach me how to make her feel special. And sometimes with this life that we live, it can be exhausting. Life is at such a fast pace that when we get home, we just want to sit down on the couch and catch up or catch our breath. I want to be able to, I want to know her. You're talking about intimacy, not necessarily being physical. I want to be so intimate with her that I know Man, if I just say this, that's going to make her day. Mm-hmm. If I go pick up this uh, this card because it had a shape of a heart, and I know that hearts are her thing, I want to be in tune with her like that. And I feel like we're at a point in our life, and sorry if I'm going left field, but I feel like we're at a point in our life right now where I need to relearn Shannon. We go through these phases where we get to a certain point, and then life kind of changes because of where we are age-wise, where our kids are, career. 
And then we go through this shift. And I feel like when we get to those spots, we have to kind of relearn each other again. Mm -hmm. And we're in one of those phases right now. And so I'm praying and I'm trying to figure out, Lord, help me to be what she needs me to be at this point in our life because I want her to feel precious. I want her to feel special and not just like she's just any other woman in my life that I'm being respectful to. Yeah, I think that's a lot of uh, great stuff. And I think that's a really good way to wrap up with a, a warning or putting it out there to people that you do at times need to relearn your spouse. That the, as people, if you're constantly evolving and changing, your opinions change, how you respond to things change. Um, and I agree, me and Justine are kind of going through the same thing. We had a conversation where it was, hey, we're not clicking. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, you did this. And I was like, no, I used to do that. I'm this way now. Oh, and I did the same thing. I was like, well, you were like this. And she's like, no, I used to do that. I'm this way now. I'm like, oh, we need to talk more because <laughs> we need to relearn each other. And I think that's an important thing to, and I, I believe a great way to end it Yes, is to put that out there that just because you're married to someone for five years doesn't mean you know them. Right. They're going right. to change. They're going to become someone different. Mindsets are going to change. But the beauty of marriage is that you get to relearn a person yes. over and over and over again and how they change their quirks, their personalities and everything. And I think that's, I think that's the fun part of it. It's the struggle, but it's the fun part is that uh, my fear. And I think everyone's fear is that like you get old and you're sitting there and you're like, well, I've told you everything about me. What do we do now? <laughs> like the kids are gone. What do we do now? You know? Yes. Um, yes. But the beauty of it is that we do constantly change and evolve that that allows us to relearn each other over and over again. And uh, it's like our reading our Bible. Uh huh. Every time I read it, I get something different. So that's all I got. Uh, unless you want to add something. If you don't mind, I want to put in a, a shameless plug. Oh, um, go for it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you should have told me earlier. You could have did it out the gate. <laughs> Shannon and I are working on some things for Ignite ministry. Uh, we put out some some teasers on, on Facebook. Uh, Shannon put out a post asking people what are some of the things that they're kind of dealing with through this COVID thing that's bringing on challenges in the marriage. So working on something behind the scenes and, and pretty soon, uh, in a couple of weeks or so, we're going to come out with something to get everybody involved. Or It might be in the form of Zoom or, or we haven't really narrowed down the actual the medium that we're going to use, but uh, stay tuned for some Ignite things coming down the pipe. And if they wanted to like uh, follow you guys on the, you guys have an Ignite group page? Yes, we do. Um, Ignite the Marriage, and that's on both Facebook and Instagram. Okay, cool. And that way people can follow along and whoever listens to this can join in on that route. Awesome, awesome. Uh, yeah, so thank you for coming on. My pleasure. Thank I you really for having me. I really appreciate it. And uh, Shannon, thank you for letting Atlas come and have a conversation <laughs> with me for about almost an hour now. Yes. Um, so thank you, Shannon, and your uh, wonderful daughters, who, I mean, I, I work with Jordan in Belong, and she's just, man, God's using her in a big way right now. Uh, so you're doing a fantastic job as a parent, in my opinion, and as a husband, and coming back to Calvary for me and Justine, seeing you and Shannon, because you guys parallel our personalities so much. <laughs> um, you have been a mentor to me, and you don't even know it. Oh, bless you. So I wanted you. to Praise let God. you know that here on the podcast. Uh, so that's it for us. I am Chris. And I am Atlas. We are your church friends. Thank you for listening. <laughs>